Now today, uh, we have the privilege of having a guest speaker here. And the first time I heard uh, the name Jim Baker here in Ohio was through a good friend, that um, man named Vic Kales, who pastors Oasis Christian Fellowship up in the northern parts of Ohio. And uh, we got to know each other. And he said, do you know Jim Baker? And I said, nah. And he said, you need to meet Jim Baker. You're going to love Jim Baker. And so it was a couple years before I actually met Jim. We met Jim a little over a year ago. Spent just a few minutes talking to him. And I went away saying, I really like this guy. I, I, I hope I do get to know him. And then at the conference last spring, Jim and his wife Mary uh, were here for the conference. And we got to have dinner with them one night. And I just want to say they are a wonderful couple. They are real people. They have a real powerful God story uh, about their life and how God has led them through different, different seasons of wondering about what's next to the place they're at now, pastoring Zion Christian Fellowship in Columbus, Ohio. And, um, well, Jim's going to tell you the rest here, okay? But uh, I, I hope Jim and I become good friends, and I hope he becomes a good friend to this church, because we've had key people in the past who have been good, for, like Robbie Dawkins, who is a friend of this church, almost part of it. And Georgian Banov has become a friend of this church. And I'm hoping Jim becomes a friend of this church, too. Let's, let's all stand and welcome Jim Baker. Is that it? No, I'm just kidding. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Very gracious. So good to be here. I was telling early, sir, is if you don't like Pastor Van and Pastor Laura, you've got some real problems in your life. They are just easy people to love. And so we are, yeah, we're just, we're enjoying getting to know you guys too. It's nice you guys are ahead of us in so many different stages. So it's nice to just see how you guys are doing things. And so I love what you guys are going after. You're going after his presence. You're going after his kingdom. Going after the gospel, people getting saved, serving the city. I mean, it's just, so those are all my favorite subjects, I think. So uh, <laughs> those are my love languages. So it's great to be here. I'm just going to jump right in. I know some of you are uh, hearing that uh, Jim Baker is going to be speaking on finances. That's your worst nightmare come true here. And so I promise we'll, we'll, uh, we'll get past all that stuff. So some of you are too young to understand that. Um, good. It'll, it'll, it'll make my job easier here. So I, uh, I uh, took over the church in Columbus, uh, Zion Christian Fellowship there in Powell, just north of Columbus, in 2008, and we just started going after healing right off the bat. And so we'll be doing healing tonight at 6, and so I hope you guys come out to that. And so we just, what I would call an all-out ballistic assault on healing. And so I use the example, we would, we would wait in the handicapped parking spaces at Walmart knowing whoever pulled in needed prayer. Like, we're just going for it, we're going into ER rooms. And so we've just, God just did some wonderful breakthroughs, and I think we've had 17 people raised from the dead now. Um, all uh, 16 in America, one was overseas. Um, we've had four this year. Uh, two were suicides, uh, people who hung themselves. Uh, another one was a car accident. Another one was an ER. Or it was a, yeah, it was an ER room, the flatlined. And uh, our youth pastor was in there, and she um, felt like the Lord says, pray out loud. And she yells, I rebuke the spirit of death in the name of Jesus. That takes a lot of boldness to do when there's 15 people in there, doctors and everything. And all of a sudden, the heart monitor went, beep. Right. Beep. She said, everyone kind of turned into this slow-mo, like, what was that? <laughs> So just good ideas. We've had uh, mental retardation, two cases healed, schizoaffective disorder, 
uh, metal dissolve out of bodies. We actually have a pulpit that uh, a guy had a cancer in his femur. He had it replaced with a metal rod, and uh, he had to walk with a walker, and uh, he got healed, and so the bone grew back, the metal disappeared, so he gave us the pulpit. I mean, he gave us the walker, so we turned it into a pulpit. Um, yeah, just fun stuff, fun stuff. People get out of wheelchairs. Um, boy, HIV documented healing. Uh, I think we had four cases of hepatitis C healed this year. Autism. Uh, we've, uh, we're really going after girls coming out of human trafficking. We just feel like kind of like not on our watch type of thing. And just really, I, I feel like they're, uh, they're just some of the most at risk people. So we're really going after that. We're buying a building downtown to house them. We got a house, a five bedroom house for them right now that are coming off the streets. But anyway, so, uh, so two of the girls, they actually had come out of prison and they uh, had cut, they'd been cutting themselves. They had scars in their arms. And just during the worship, uh, the scars disappeared. They got brand new skin in their arms, got completely healed. And so, yeah, yay God, we love that kind of stuff. We just had someone with uh, uh, brain cancer just healed, uh, leukemia just healed. And so uh, we, we're, God's just doing wonderful things. And I'm not trying to act like we're seeing 100% yet. I'm not willing to say we're not going to see that day. Because Jesus set the standard at 100%. You guys know that, right? He said, I only do what I see the Father doing. And he never said, oh, you're right in the middle of an important lesson. You're going to keep that sickness. Up, you need to break generational curses. Up, you didn't tithe. Up, he, he didn't give them all these excuses. They just came to him, and they got everything they wanted and more. And so that's the model he did. And so uh, we're going we're gonna to go after that. I believe it's God's will to heal every single time. And so if you don't believe that, that's okay. Come anyway, and we'll make you believe it. Okay, there we go. <laughs> So anyway, so in the middle of all this healing, God tells me to go after finances the way that we went after healing. So I'm just thinking all out ballistic assault. I don't know anything else to do. So uh, my upbringing kind of just in the charismatic movement just got exposed to some teaching that I would just call crazy, you know, like not, not a good kind of crazy, you know, just like, you know, sow a Toyota, reap a Cadillac, you got a need, sow a seed to meet your greed type of stuff. And it was just, it just got selfish and silly. And so I was like, God, you're really going to have to help me, especially with the name Jim Baker. And so I'm like, I, I like health and wealth. Like really, God? Like ha ha ha, you know. And so, so we, uh, so I, I read about a hundred books that year, meditated, read a whole bunch of, uh, listened to a whole bunch of teaching, and then I ended up doing a series at our church. I planned on being a six-part series. I ended up being an eighteen-part series, and uh, which I found it is the most offensive thing a pastor can do is to preach uh, eighteen sermons in a row, uh, September through March. I didn't hit giving until week thirteen because what I found is if you don't hit the heart conditions first, a lot of people are just trying to rub the genie bottle to get God to do something for them. And uh, so we, we, had to, we had to take care of all that stuff. So I actually have the 18-part series on a jump drive out there. And I took about seven of those parts and turned them into a book called uh, How Heaven Invades Your Finances. And so I'd love to give this away. Um, is there anyone in here with a Jezebel spirit? I'd love to give that. <laughs> Nobody? Pastor, who is that one you said? No, I'm just kidding. He didn't say that. I'm just kidding. Um, is there anyone in here who's currently in the military? And uh, actively in the military? Anyone with a uh, spouse in the military? Was that a hand? Was that a real hand? Let's. We'll go for that. We'll go. By the way, these weren't words of knowledge. I was just slip hunting for somebody. Yeah. Don't you hate that? You'll give a specific word of knowledge. You got to keep doing the concentric circles. Is Is there anyone who can hear my voice? It's like yeah. Well, it's great because we live stream our services. So now if you blow the word, it must be for somebody watching live. It's like, we got all the boldness in the world. Now I just blame it on that. It must be for someone out there. So <laughs> it's a good reason to start live streaming. Just so you can go bold with the words of knowledge. So, all right, let's start talking about finances. And so uh, here's my definition of prosperity. Let's just hit this right off the bat. You have no financial debt. 
and you have more than enough money to fulfill every divine assignment God has for you and enough left over to help others fulfill theirs. Doesn't that sound like a good idea? Let me read it to you again. That you have no financial debt and you have more than enough money to fulfill every divine assignment God has for you and enough left over to help others fulfill theirs. Now notice I didn't say every Christian is going to be a zillionaire. Okay, I think that's what a lot of people think. Finances, everything's going to be just overflowing. Um, It means that you're going to have finances that are in proportion to your assignment. If you're called to reach the Hollywood elite, it's going to be different if you're a farmer in Uganda. Your finances are going to look differently. Abundance, if you're Joseph in prison, doesn't mean you've got the finest chariot or the finest palace on a hill. Right? It means that you've got the favor and the wisdom that you can uh, succeed and prosper in whatever environment you're in. See, true prosperity is not what you have, it's who you have. And what did it keep saying? And the Lord was with Joseph. And the Lord was with Joseph. And so when you've got that, here's what I know about uh, prosperity, is when you begin to prosper on the inside, it can't help but change your, inter- your external circumstances. If you don't change the uh, inside, then your outside circumstances will get reduced to the size of your internal circumstances. This is why people who win the lotto, they haven't become millionaires on the inside, and so their external circumstances shrink down to their internal reality. See, poverty is a spirit, and, uh, but I believe so is abundance. When I say spirit, I'm not talking about a demon. I'm talking about the way that uh, Ephesians 4 used it. Be made new, re- renewed in the spirit of your mind. See, poverty only sees meager possibilities. And that needs to get broken. See, the, ki- the kingdom sees nothing but increase. See, a person with a poverty spirit can look at the same mountain as the person with an abundant spirit, and one will say, uh, go jump in the lake. That's what Jesus said. You can tell that thing to go jump in the sea. Another one says, oh man, this thing's too big. You know, I, I don't know what I was thinking. I, I don't have the right family. I don't have the right education. I don't really have the background. I got a history of this, this, and this. And so uh, that's why Jesus said, speak to your mountain. He didn't say, talk to, talk to God about your mountain. He said, talk to your mountain about your God. So we can... So I want you to think of yourself as a hose. I know, it is a beautiful, I declare over you, you are a hose. And so think of a hose, uh, water flows through a hose, and, but the inside of a hose gets wet. If God can flow money through you, he'll get money to you and there'll be plenty left over for you. Here's what I know about God, is um, when the prior of your finances are no longer about you, me, 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 you know, gimme, 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 my name is Jimmy. When it's no longer about you and it's like, God, I want to be a blessing. You're thinking, hold on. If I don't worry about my finances, who's going to take care of me? God will. <laughs> when you worry about your finances, you, take, you put up an umbrella so that his blessing runs right over your life. He cannot flow supernatural into fear, doubt, and unbelief. So we're going to have to break that today. When the priority of your finances is by someone like that, or maybe it broke already. I don't even know. That's awesome. <laughs> Legion. All right, sorry. <laughs> when the priority of your finances is on God rather than yourself, here's what I know. God will take better care of you on accident than you could ever take care of yourself on purpose. Listen, who do you want running your finances? If it's you, you're in a recession. Come on. You have limited resources. Heaven's not up there like, oh man, what are we going to do about Bill? Oh, emergency meeting of the Trinity. Everybody gather around, gather around. We've, oh, who knew Bitcoin was going to drop? Oh, my goodness. Oh. Right? But if heaven's in charge of your finances, guess what? You are free to give up worrying. Worry is just faith in the devil. And here's what I want you to know about God. His name is El Shaddai, not El Cheapo. 
God is okay meeting your needs in style. He just doesn't want the meeting of your needs in style to become the pursuit of your heart. It's an after effect. Like I said, God will take better care of you on accident. Seek first the kingdom, and he adds all these things. If you begin to chase that, okay, I only got one shot here. All right, I'm just, I'm just gonna, as they come to mind, I'm gonna share them with you. Kingdom wealth is like a magnet, okay? When uh, wealth is attracted, it's not pursued in a kingdom. The world pursues what the kingdom, the, the world pursues what the kingdom attracts. So I want you to, can you see this big magnet I'm holding here? It's shaped like a U. It's red with the silver tips. Can you guys see it? When it points away from me, it draws things into my life. When it points towards me, it repels it. That's kingdom finances. When the priority is on other people and on God, wealth is attracted into my life. It's all throughout the Proverbs. I, I, had a, whole, I did a whole message on this. And, um, but when it's pointed towards me, the priority is on me and my finances, it gets repelled. Here's how it says it in the book of Proverbs. It says, when you chase money, it grows wings and flies away. Has anyone else had that happen? It's like, you're like, we got to get more money. We got to get money. Where's all the money going? What is happening here? What's happening is the priority of your heart has been shifted. And so it grows wings and flies away. So I grew up in a denomination that was a big missionary giving denomination. And we would hear stories that went like this. I, I love these stories. We need these stories. We'll go something like this. A missionary would be sitting at the table. They've got no food in the cupboard. They're flat broke. And they would, hold, they would set the table by faith and they would hold hands and they would pray over the food. And all of a sudden, there'd be a knock at the door. They'd go answer the door and there'd be a piles of groceries sitting there. There'd be a family holding the groceries and giving it to them. And praise God. Have you guys ever heard stories like that? We love those stories. But here's what I'm looking for. I'm looking for a church full of people who are the ones who can afford to bring the groceries to the people in need. We need those stories of supernatural supply, but we also need to have an abundance so that we can be generous. I understand that there's been bad teaching on finances. There's also been bad teaching on heaven, but I still plan on going there. <laughs> Let's not let bad teaching and error keep us from the truth. If you're trying to avoid, if you ignore truth by trying to avoid error, you're in error because you're avoiding truth. If the enemy can keep you sick and poor, he's going to severely limit your destiny. What are the two things that he has fought against the hardest in the last 30 years? Health and wealth, healing and finances. Why? Because if we can get these things right, there's no limits. Here's what he said. He said um, in uh, Luke 16, he says, if you can't take care of that which is least, you cannot take care of that which is greater. If you cannot run to the fridge on commercials, you cannot run the Boston Marathon, right? we We get this right in the natural Here's what the least was in context. If you cannot trust God for finances, which is the least, you cannot trust him for greater. So guys, what happens if the church gets the, I mean, God's already doing awesome things in the church, right? And we're not even getting the least right. What would happen if we get the least right? Then we could be trusted with true riches. Earthly riches, uh, you have money to feed a man a meal. True riches, you can multiply one meal to feed 5,000. I know this church is after the true riches, the, the riches of heaven, anointing, favor, uh, wise strategies, witty inventions, just all the things that we're all going after here. And the key to it, listen, all the prophetic words over your life, those aren't going to come true in a greater way unless you take care of that which is least. How I know that? Because anything other than the least is not the least, right? I mean, it's a little Jewish arithmetic here. Work with me, all right? If you can't, Finances is the kindergarten of the spiritual life, and you don't get to skip grades. 
Okay, so I want you to just think, man, God's doing awesome things, you're experiencing him. What would happen if you got this money thing right? Because the opposite would be true. If you can take care of that which is least, then you can be trusted with that which is greater. Man, let's just pray right now. God, I want the greater. Lord, whatever it takes, pull out the weeds, put in the good seed. I want, I want to go on an adventure with you and my finances. Gang, what if you just did this? What if you said, you know what? Hey, my finances are a little bit of a mess right now, but I'm going on an adventure with God. I'm gonna get this thing right because I want to fulfill the prophetic words over my life. I want to see heaven invade. That just sounds like a good idea. I didn't say that in first service, so this is a special thing for the second service here, people. Maybe it's because you were more awake, you slept in and all that stuff. 11.30 service, I'm just fascinated by this. I just... I've just, my, my mind's spinning here right now, I'm sorry. If the enemy can keep you sick and poor, he'll severely limit your destiny. People make fun of it calling it the health and wealth gospel. I, I got some good news for you. Jesus didn't die for the sickness and poverty gospel. All right, that's some of you don't believe me, we're gonna keep going after it here. There's definitely some errors in the 80s and 90s with the health and wealth movement. And they, they typically um, fall into two categories. Here's the first category of errors. That poverty is a spiritual value. It's good to be poor. God keeps you poor to keep you humble and to keep you trusting him and all this stuff. So have you ever heard that thing? Poverty is a good thing. It's good to be poor, right? Yep. All you Catholics. All right, there we go. Of course, the Catholic monks who taught that, the only way they were able to live that lifestyle was because somebody wealthy endowed them to live it. Hashtag irony. So let me ask you this. If poverty is so spiritual, why does the Bible tell us to give to the poor? Wouldn't that just ruin their spirituality? Here's what I know. One of the poorest ways to help the poor is to be poor. God's called each one of us to be stewards of money. You know what that means? You're going to have to have some money to steward. And here's what happens in the kingdom. Everything that gets stewarded multiplies and increases. A lot of people think stewards just being a tightwad. It's, you know, it's, it's, it's peeling the two-ply toilet paper in half. <laughs> so that you can use each one. It's like when toilet paper is that thing, you're basically just finger painting at that point. Okay, let's just, just be honest. That was only for second service. I tell you what, there, there's something special up here. The spirit of feistiness is trying to get on me and I'm trying to fight it here. If poverty's from God, why does Genesis 26 say this? That the Lord blessed Isaac so that he became rich and continued to grow richer until he became extremely wealthy. It didn't say Satan made him that. God's hand was actually on him and made him rich, richer, extremely wealthy. The poverty is so spiritual, then why are we told to pray your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven? There's no poverty in heaven. Streets of gold should be like your first clue. There's no 30,000 there's no 30, year mortgages in heaven. He's saying make up there, come down here. Let the reality of heaven be the reality of earth. There's an abundance because the Father runs the whole thing. Graham Cook says this, God has abundance, the enemy has a budget. If money's so bad for us, why doesn't Satan just pour money on Christians and watch him backslide right into hell? If money's so bad, why did Satan take it away from Job? If money's so bad, why did God reward Job with a double portion? Come tonight and I'll show you in scripture where Job, all 10 of his kids who died were actually raised from the dead. It's right there in chapter 42. We'll look at it tonight. How's that sound? Why is a good man the one who leaves an inheritance to his children's children if poverty's so good? 
Matthew 6, 33, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Oh, I tell you what, religion loves the person who is seeking God. But as soon as God does the second part of the verse and all these things will be added to you, who does this person think they are? I think they're getting a little selfish. I think they're getting a little greedy. They're getting a little too much blessing there. Are we okay? All right. So the first error is saying that poverty is spiritual or you're more spiritual if you're poor. The second error is equally as perverted. And it says something like this. Your spirituality is measured by the size of your house or how much money you have or what kind of car you drive. That's perverted as well. That is not. um, Material possessions a person has is not a sign of God's blessing. Unless it is. There's many cases in scriptures where someone's material blessing was, was tied to God himself. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, David, Solomon, literally the, the scriptures are clear. It was because of God's hand upon him is why they were blessed. So here's what you need to know is you don't get to judge another man's harvest if you don't know what seed they planted. It's not up to you to be the police and see how much is enough for each person. That's between you and God. You know how much is too much? Whatever amount replaces trust in God. For some people, a hundred bucks, they forget there's a God in heaven. Other people, a hundred million, it wouldn't even begin to tap into it because their heart is so anchored in another realm and they're so uh, focused on bringing heaven to earth. Loving God does not mean you have to be broke and having money does not mean you're necessarily godly. Here's the deal with money. Money is to the natural realm what the anointing is to the supernatural realm. It's just simply a way to get things done. I'm going to try it over here. (laughs) I'm just assuming that's quiet contemplation and not bored indifference. Okay, we're going to just go with that here. So um, money is to the natural realm what the anointing is to the supernatural realm. It's just a way to get things done. Money's a tool. We got to get this kingdom perspective on money. Otherwise, you're going to get your net worth and your self-worth mixed up. So if I went over to Pastor Van's house and he took me to his tool shed, it would be a very strange thing if he began to brag about his shovel collection. <laughs> Jim, uh, yeah, I've worked really hard and uh, the Lord has blessed me. And uh, yeah, this shovel right here, uh, yeah, the, some of my kids, they bedazzled the handle here with the sparklies on it. And this one's got a, a nice coat of red on it. This one's made out of platinum. It's, it's very special. It means a lot. To, like, that would be really weird, right? Because shovels are used to do work. We've got to get this idea. When, uh, when a believer gets money, we turn those dollars into soldiers to do work. It's not to make us feel blessed. Or, you see what I'm saying? Here's the old Jewish promise. You're blessed to be a blessing. Which means first you're going to have to be blessed. So stop fighting it. There's a religious thing in some Christians that feel like anytime they get something good, they've got to give it away. I get something good, I've got to give it away. Part of your stewardship is actually to learn to enjoy the blessings that God's given you with God. There was three tithes in the Old Testament. One of them was the festival tithe. And they took it and they went and partied with it. Some of you are like, tell me more, Jim. I'm interested in this tithing thing that you're talking about for the first time. What they did is, uh, is, is they actually were to take some of it and celebrate God's goodness. They were to go to a festival and experience his presence. They were to eat the best food, drink the best drinks. There's one place in scripture where the, uh, there was a man who was uh, wealthy, was told to give everything away. Every other rich person in scripture got this instruction for 1 Timothy 6, 17. Don't push your trust in riches. Don't get haughty. Be rich in good deeds. And before God gives you all things richly to enjoy. Part of your stewardship is literally to learn how to enjoy the blessings of God with God. I remember I, uh, my son wanted to play the drums, and so we found out this really good drum set, and uh, I love getting good deals, and so there was a good deal up in Michigan. I know that's enemy territory for you Buckeye fans, but um, 
There is a scripture that says, one day the lion will lay down with the lamb and the buckeye will lay down with the wolverine. So just, it's in there, all right? Some of you are like, I don't know if I want that. I'm not, like, do we have to have that in heaven? All right. So I went up to Michigan and got on this amazing, this amazing drum set for about a third of the price. The guy had only used it twice. And uh, so it's a take it back. It would not have blessed me if my son would have given that drum set away to his friends. Why? Because I, as, as a father, I wanted him to enjoy something good that was going to help put him into his destiny. Listen, I am, I am this good compared to the Heavenly Father. There's some things he wants you to do to enjoy it because they're going to help propel you in your, in your destiny. Are we good? It's not more spiritual to give to the poor than it is to go on vacation if God's in it. The question is, what's he telling you to do? I mean, don't hear what I'm not saying. <laughs> ah, quit giving to the poor. Just use it to party on. I'm not, that is not what I'm trying to say. Some of you, that, I see you writing it down. Stop it. <laughs> P-A-R-T-Y exclamation point. Like, I get it. I get, the, I get the sermon. That's not the sermon. I just feel like some of you need to, to just get that. It's, it's, it's a religious thing to think that you've got to give away everything good in your life. And it's okay to enjoy some of it. But here's what Proverbs says. It says, if you seek wisdom, which is the hearing ear. I, I'm putting my ear to his lips so when he speaks, I can see what he sees and know what he knows. That's that heart of wisdom. Where to, as we pursue wisdom, wealth is attracted into our life. But if we take our eyes off of him and begin to put it on the things that are attracted, we lose the wisdom and we lose the things. Okay, so don't hear what I'm not saying. Are we good? All right, 2 Corinthians 9, 8. The context of this, uh, chapter 8 and 9, are all about finances and giving. Here's what he says. This is one of those scriptures that you're like, are you sure that's in the Bible? Um, I'm sure. All right, here you go. Because it's right here on my iPad. How could it not be in there? Okay. Here we go. And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. Gang, if this isn't true, John 3, 16 is not true. The context of this is finances. Here's what it's saying. God, he calls it a grace, which means you can't earn it. Jesus paid for it on the cross. All you can do is believe it and grow in the reality of it. Okay? Here's what this means. Anytime there's a need that comes across your pathway, if your heart is moved by that need, God wants you to have a stream of income to meet that need. Listen to it. God is, and God is able. Uh, 2 Corinthians 9, 8. And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may barely squirt out enough, abound to every good work. I mean, do we need to just close in prayer and selah on that one? I mean, my goodness. Jim, I don't believe I'll ever get to that point. Well, I just want to say thank you for admitting your unbelief. We're going to have to deal with that before you get very far. In the kingdom, you don't get what you need, you get what you believe. He takes care of your needs, but the things that you really want, you're going to have to believe for and fight for. Promised land, they didn't just get all handed to them. God enabled them to take the amount that they could steward, and that's how God does it in your life. He doesn't just hand you everything, and uh, it's all yours, and it's no. You, uh, you take some territory, now you own it. You take some territory. See, everything in the Bible is yours by promise, but there's a process for you to become the kind of person who can carry the weight of the promise without it killing you. And so if you're going through a difficult time right now uh, with your finances, just enjoy that. God, I am so thankful for this opportunity to find you in the midst of this thing. See, without the, the only people who got into the promised land were those who went through the wilderness. What's the lesson of the wilderness? Just enough. 
And as soon as they got more than enough, it spoiled when they gathered more manna than they could for the day, except on the Sabbath. Remember that? So some of you are going through the wilderness. How do you know if you're in the wilderness? Just when you start to get ahead, the car breaks down. And it's like, man, I'm just getting ahead. Oh, man, there goes the money. The manna keeps spoiling, right? Just recognize I'm in a wilderness season, and the lesson of the wilderness is nobody can take better care of me than dad. If you can't learn to become intimate with him in the wilderness, you're never going to be able to keep your eyes on him in the midst of the distractions of the promised land where there's giants, walled cities, and land to take. The wilderness is the school. The goal is to get you into the promised land. If you've been in the wilderness for a while, just recognize that season, thank him for it, draw close to him, but realize this is not life eternal for you. This is a school to get you ready to keep your eyes on him. For every one person who can pass the test of lack in the wilderness, for, I'll put it this way, for every 99 people who can pass the test of lack in the wilderness, there's only one who can take the, uh, pass the test of plenty in the promise land and keep their eyes on him. That's just straight scripture. You just look at, look at what the money does to people. But I believe I'm talking to a different group here. Oh, I got two yeps, I'll take it. Uh, that's <laughs> two or three, yep, I'll take it. Psalm 67, one and two, may God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face shine upon us. That sounds good, why? So that your way may be known on earth, your saving power among all nations. Gang, that sounds like revival, okay? What's he saying? God, put your hand a blessing on me so that they'll know what you're really like. <laughs> you guys realize it's legal to pray for blessing? If you only have your needs met, the world will lack a revelation of an abundant father. They're never going to know what dad's really like. And so it's actually okay for you to say, God, bless my life. I'm not talking about you're you know, fat and sassy and you got the finest of everything so people know you're a king's kid. I'm not talking about that kind of foolishness, okay? What I'm talking about is there's a blessing on your life beyond what your own hands could provide so that you can be generous to other people. And he wants you to grow to the point so that whatever need comes across your pathways, that your heart is moved to meet it, you've got a stream of income to nail that thing. I don't know, Jim. This sounds like a bless me club. Well, Jesus didn't die for a curse me club. And what's the problem with the bless me club? Because when Christians get more blessed, we become a bigger blessing. Jim, I just want enough to provide for me and my family. Wow. You selfish pig. That's actually the spirit of stupid and the spirit of poverty, getting married and having a child together. Doesn't that just sound so holy? Just, just enough for me and my family, which you're basically saying is my needs are met. Who cares about the rest of the world? That's extremely selfish to, uh, to only desire for you to only have your needs met. Margaret Thatcher had a great quote, the former prime minister of England. No one would have remembered the good Samaritan if he'd only had good intentions. He had money as well. Prosperity is not just about possessing. It's about blessing. Uh, Jim, money can't buy happiness. Neither can poverty. (laughs) The person who says money can't buy happiness just simply hasn't given enough of it away. You'll see you can buy happiness for those people that you give it to. I didn't say eternal joy, but it it will buy happiness, gang. And by the way, I'm not talking about buying happiness, okay? But it does take money to get girls out of human trafficking. 
to dig wells for the poor, to feed the poor, clothe the naked, to... Listen, if you can't afford to go to the store, you can't afford to go into all the world, okay? Can we just boil it down to some reality? We got to shoot this thing in the head that says God wants you poor. It's spiritual to be poor. You got to break that thing because you're never going to have the faith to get out of it if you think God doesn't even want you to have it. If God's not agreeing with you, how are you going to have faith for it? Like, I don't have faith to grow wings and fly because I don't see it in the Bible. I'm not pursuing that thing. Some of you becoming prosperous is like growing wings and flying. It doesn't seem like a reality. We got to nail that thing today. Well, Jim, that's great, but Jesus was poor and we're supposed to be like Jesus. Okay. Have you heard that one? Jesus is poor. Have you guys heard this one? All right. Thank you, Catholics. Okay. um, I'm teasing. I love the Catholics. I actually do. I I believe believe many of them are saved. I really do. And so, no, I I really do. They're they're, they're pursuing Jesus. They're just, yeah, some, some of the best people in the world. Some of the, much of the good that's going on in the world is because of the influence of the Catholic Church. I, I love them. I, I'm actually speaking at a, a Catholic school of supernatural ministry in Ann Arbor, of all places. And uh, so, yeah, the, I love the Catholics. So I'm, I'm teasing. But um, uh, was Jesus really poor? I want you to look at this. The Magi brought expensive gifts to Jesus at his birth. Who were the Magi? Well, 1,500 years before, there was a man named Daniel. He was numbered among the witches, the warlocks. Like, you know, the New Agers were his home group back then, okay? And so he's back there. And uh, the Magi were the kingmakers of the day. They were the ones who recognized royalty. The Persian king was known as the king of all kings and the lord of all lords. Daniel said there will be a king coming. And so look for a sign in the heavens when there's a greater king. 1,500 years later, these men kept the tradition going. They saw a star in the heavens. They went and followed it. And why? Because they had found a greater king. They were the kingmakers of the day. And when they showed up, listen to what happened. Matthew 2, 3. When Herod the king heard that the Magi from the east had come to Jerusalem, he was deeply disturbed in all Jerusalem with him. I think religion would have you picture like these three guys who are like emaciated and they got like a tattered robe on, you know, and holes in their sandals and like a Beavis and Butthead t-shirt on and they, and they come in there and they're like, Jesus, here's a little gold nugget wrapped in tinfoil. The other two search through their pockets and he's like, here's a Walmart-sized spritzer, used sparingly. Here's what it says, Matthew 2, 11. They entered the house and saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and worshiped him. Why? Because they'd found a greater king. Then they opened their treasure chests, plural, and they gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Why was, that? Why was Herod and all of Jerusalem upset? Because the kingmakers were coming. They would have traveled in droves with bodyguards and they had treasure chests. Are you guys getting the picture? He received so much money that Joseph was able to flee to Egypt for his life and not have to work for three years. The, uh, Jesus was such a successful businessman, he became known as the carpenter of Nazareth. Religion would have you believe that Jesus was homeless. I'm like, really? The carpenter of Nazareth is like sleeping on the street with his tools? <laughs> Jesus had so much money that he had a treasure. Are you ready for this revelation? Get your pens ready. If you have a treasure, you have treasures! <laughs> Hashtag Duh! Jesus had enough money to be an outrageous giver by lifestyle. Remember in the Last Supper, Jesus comes up, he whispers something in the treasurer's ear named Judas. He whispers something in his ear, and Judas gets up and leaves. And what do the disciples say? Oh, there goes Judas giving away money to the poor in the middle of the night again. 
It was such a common thing for Jesus. There was so much money in the treasury that Judas was stealing from it and nobody knew, only Jesus did, but he had to get that from a supernatural word of knowledge. Jesus was so prosperous that he supported 12 teenage boys for three years of ministry. Do you know how much they eat? (laughs) That may be Jesus' greatest miracle of all. At the end of Jesus' life, the soldiers, they fought, they gambled over his clothes. Why? Probably because they were decent. They weren't like stained sweatpants with like a mustard stains on his t-shirts, right? I mean, they were, it was probably something nice. I'm not saying he was this hotshot evangelist walking around with some bling bling, but I'm saying that he was, had no financial debt and he had more than enough money to fulfill every divine assignment God had for him, enough money left over to help others fulfill theirs. Jesus was prosperous. Here's the key to the whole thing, Matthew 6, 24. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Some of your Bible translations may say God and money. If you look at it, there'll be a little footnote, and it's the Aramaic word uh, mammon. So here's the question. You cannot serve God and mammon. So he's setting up this contrast. You've got the one true God, and then you've got the God of mammon over here, and both are trying to get you to give their hearts. So here's what the God of mammon is. It came from the, uh, Syria, and the, the, uh, it was a demon God, and the name meant the power of riches. So I want you to get this picture. Is you can either put your trust in the one true God, or you can put your trust in the power behind money. So if you begin to feel more secure when your bank account's more full, that's the spirit of mammon, because your security's supposed to come from God and not from money. I'm just going to let that one sink in there a little bit. I want you to see how this thing is, just invades our culture. Okay? And so um, I'm going to read a couple of popular Bible verses, and I'm going to read you what happens when the spirit of mammon gets hold of me. You guys ready for this? Where does my help come from? My help comes from money. Money is my shepherd. I shall not be in want when I've got enough of it. Money is an ever-present help in time of need. Money gives me the peace that passes understanding. My money shall supply all my needs. People perish for a lack of money. A day in the mall is better than thousands elsewhere. <laughs> See, behind, uh, behind Mammon is this great lie that says, yeah, God takes care of those super saints and everything, but you're not one of those super saints. So what you need to do is you need to worry about money. You need to think about it and dream and scheme. How am I going to get more money? And Mammon tries to get you to be consumed with this thing. But he says you're supposed to be like the birds. I recognize nobody can take better care of me than dad. The truth is you do not need more money. You need to understand God better. Because when you understand God better, you understand you've got everything. Thank you. It gets a little lonely up here, so clapping is accepted. Maybe I need to just like have like a clap thing just when I need it. So it's just like... No, 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 no. So what does it look like to serve mammon? He said, you cannot serve God and mammon. He gives it to you in the next verse. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you'll put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? You guys ready for this? Anxiety and worship are to the spirit of, I'm sorry, I said it wrong. Anxiety and worry are to the spirit of mammon, what praise and worship are to the one true God. The way that you bow your knee to this demon god of mammon is to worry about money. When you start fretting and freaking out about money, you're literally saying, I give you my heart. I give you my soul. I live for you alone. He didn't say it's difficult to serve God in money. He said it's impossible. You can either love one or hate the other. Your heart is going to be in one of those two realms. Fear is faith in the devil. Worry is a form of atheism because it's imagining a future without God. So I've got some good news for you. Faith is imagining your future with God. 
God is already in your future, so you don't need to worry about it. Worry is a sin to be repented of, not an emotion to be medicated. I'm just going to keep going here, all right? I mean, I'm going to be eating lunch soon, so this is good. God's supernatural cannot flow into fear and worry. Do you see why we got to break this mammon? At the end, we're going to break mammon off your heart. It'll, it'll just open up so much to your life here. You don't need more money. You need more relationship with the source. When I say that, do not confuse the source with the resource. <laughs> the source never changes. Your resource, your job, your 401k, your parents, like whatever it might be, your resource is going to change throughout your life. That's no big deal. But the source never changes. You don't need more money. You need to understand the source better. So how many of you guys recognize those Old Testament prophets had it rough? Like you read some of those stories, like um, Isaiah walked around naked for three years. Like I don't even take my shirt off at the pool, all right? Like I don't, I don't really understand this. I remember I did one time and um, someone tried to uh, sue us for the glare spots that caused some retinal damage off my body. I'm like, <laughs> like, I don't really appreciate that. I tell people this, you don't get a body like this overnight. It takes years of neglect. And so... I think the only way you can tell my chest or my back is two nipples because it's like straight down. It's, it's just bad. <laughs> Hosea marries a girl named Gomer. Like, uh, dude, you should have known like her name was Gomer. Like something was about to go bad there. Okay, so my apologies to the Gomers. Um, Ezekiel had to cook food over his own dung. Just let that sink in there, okay? Like that's hilarious when you're in junior high, but when you're an adult, that's disgusting, okay? By the way, if I was a junior high pastor, I would be preaching nothing but these passages just to get them interested in the Bible. Like, are you serious? So. so Elijah, God's like, Elijah, I want you to prophesy a famine. He's like, yes, I'm an Old Testament prophet. I love prophesying famines in the land that you live in. He's like, are you serious? Like, couldn't we do it in like the Jebusites and the cellulites and the termites and the parasites and all those people? In the land you're living in. So he's like, don't worry, I've got a plan for you. You're going to go down by the Brook Cherith. You've got water. Amazon now, special delivery. They are, the ravens are going to bring you food. It's going to be amazing. So he's down there. Everything is going good. And then the brook dries up. What do most Christians do when the brook dries up? They start freaking out. This isn't working. The preacher lied about tithing. This isn't. Listen, every time that the, the resource of provision dried up for Elijah, here's what it said. And the word of the Lord came to Elijah. What do you and I need to do when our resource of provision dries up? We need to get the word of the Lord. So God says, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go to the town of Zarephath and I want you to find a widow. I can imagine Elijah's like, Lord, did you say window? Is this like a metaphor, like a window of blessing? No, Elijah, she's a widow. Is widow like the last name of like a Boaz type person? No, Elijah, she's a widow. Here's what you need to understand. Widows in those days were not a great resource of provision. There weren't like a lot of female entrepreneurs on Shark Tank back in the ancient Near East, okay? So her resource of provision has dried up her husband. So he goes there and he sees this lady and says she's digging through the rubble, trying to get enough sticks to start a fire. Uh, that's not a good sign. And he says, listen, lady, can you make me some food? She says, hey, it's not really a good time right now. I've got a little bit of oil, a little bit of flour. My son and I are going to cook it. We're going to eat our last meal. And then we're going to die. Like what a mighty faith declaration from your new resource of provision. So what is, uh, what is Elijah? I'm expecting Elijah to take up an offering at this point, aren't you? Like find some people of means in the city. So Elijah does take up an offering for himself. You guys remember this? Was he tell the lady, bake me a cake as fast as you can. He says, hey, bake the cake, bring it to him. And... Uh, and he, you know, and the whole thing. Listen, I mean, you, I, I told you, Old Testament prophets had it rough. Can you just see the Cincinnati paper headlines? Prophet of God takes last meal from widow. <laughs> what is going on in this story? Okay, where was this lady's trust? It was in her flour and in her oil. 
And Elijah knew if he could get her eyes off of the resource and onto the source, then supernatural provision would come into your life. Listen, guys, Jesus, 16 of Jesus' 38 parables dealt with money. He wasn't coming to raise money for his earthly ministry. He was coming because he knew that if you could, if you could take care of that which is least, then you could be entrusted with that which is greater. If you can get your eyes off of the resource and get your eyes onto the source, the only way to, uh, to, um, to exercise faith for finances is through giving. Like, oh, isn't there another way? Can't you lay hands on me? Can I march around the checkbook seven times? Can I blow the shofar over my wallet? No. You break the spirit of mammon off your heart and you begin to give. Uh, I can't remember if I said this already. Did I already talk about the garden and the, and the, the, the slot machine handled? Okay. And so, um, sorry, I, I, I woke up at four in the morning and so I'm, it's past my bedtime right now. Okay. I've been in these charismatic services where these charismatics, they're reaching up into heaven and they're yelling, money cometh. And it's like they're pulling these imaginary slot machine handles. Has anyone seen these crazy services? Money cometh. Money come. I'm like, what is going on here? This is not how the kingdom works. Can you imagine walking up to soil and there's no seed in the garden? You're like, vegetables cometh. Fruit cometh. And you can almost hear the soil is like, dude, that's not how it works. You need to put some seed in there and water it. Then you'll reap a harvest. In the kingdom, it's not about just blab it and grab it, name it and claim it, confess it and possess it, all this stuff. Out of the abundance of the heart, their mouth speaks. And so I do believe if you believe it in your heart, it will come out your mouth. But it's not about fake it till you make it. Okay? It's about when I believe it in my heart, my mouth, my language is going to line up. I think it's okay to say it because, you you know, it's better than saying the negative thing, but it's not about magic formulas. Principles without the prince is more like witchcraft than kingdom. So many of people are looking, give me the principles, give me the formula. Give him your heart. Let's start there. It's not about all this goofy hocus pocus. How much do I need to sow in order to get this much back? Jesus, I'm yours. I had a dream a little while ago and uh, I, I don't have a lot of the dreams where Jesus like comes to me, you know, I, I know like prophets are always like getting their feet massaged on planes by angels. I'm like, I don't even know what you guys are talking about. That's not my experience. But I, so I did have one where Jesus came to me and in the, in the dream, he came and he pointed at me and he said, um, tell the church there's no area of their life I can't point to and say mine. And as he was walking away, he turned around and he said again, tell the church there's no area of my life, of their life that I can't point to and say mine. If God's not first in your finances, he's not first in your life. And so instead of looking for all the principles, the, the starting point is literally, God, it's all yours. Is it 10%? No, no, it's 100%. He owns all of it. God's the owner. You're the money manager. You're the FedEx driver passing out the packages. The FedEx guy gets it, man. He's like giving away these packages and he's not even worried about running out. I'm like, this guy's an unbelievable steward. This guy is in the kingdom. What happens if the steward begins looking at the packages? There's a store called Charming Charlie's in Columbus. I don't know if you have them here. My wife loves that place. And uh, he's like, hey, my wife loves Charming Charlie's. I think I'll take the... If the manager begins acting like the owner, there's problems. If you think that you're giving God 10% of your money, you're deceived. It's all his. (laughs) I'll give God 10%. I get to keep the 90. You're deceived. In the kingdom, he owns it all. What do you want me to do with it? All right, that was free. <laughs> so mammon puts this uh, deep fear in your heart. And so what happens is a biblical truth will get taught. People talk about, you know, uh, God wants you to prosper. You know, the, if you sow generously, you'll reap generously. You can 30, 60, 100 fold return. People hear that and they're like, yeah, yeah. And what happens is the spirit of mammon gets on it and it twists it and it reverses your relationship with God. 
so that I'm now using God to go get me more money. If we did a conference called Supernatural Finances, there would be people who show up thinking, how can I get God to give me more money? That's the spirit of man that's reversing it because he's God, you're the servant, and you turn those dollars into soldiers to accomplish kingdom purposes. You're not up there sitting there fat and sassy to a boss and God around with these declarations telling him what to do with your money. All right, that was for somebody, but all right. <laughs> Apparently nobody in this room. Must be for live stream. <laughs> One story, and then we're going to do an activation to break the spirit of mammon off your hearts. So I have a... Um, You've probably seen this scenario where there's like a healing service and there's a row of people lined up for prayer and, you know, there's someone praying for them. So I've been, sometimes I've been in those services and I'm, I'm the one doing the praying. And I've never been praying for somebody and look down the row and go, oh no, there's 15 more people. What if I run out of healing anointing? I've never had that thought because I'm super aware that I am not the source of healing anointing, Right. I will be honest with you, though. There's sometimes when I feel challenged to give a big check or, or just, you know, just, you know, just giving, and I think, oh, no, what if we don't have enough for this? I'm not talking about being foolish with your giving. Okay, don't hear what I'm not saying. But, you know, there's that tug in your heart that has that little bit of fear in there. And um, what that is is me not recognizing the source, me putting my trust in the resource. And so I would imagine many people in here have had that same challenge. And I just want to name what that is so we can say, God, I want to I get rid of that. Again, I'm not talking about being foolish with your giving. If you give away all your money and God's not telling you to, you're a bad steward and you will not be rewarded. So I'm not talking about emotional, just giving it all. I'm not talking about that. But I'm talking about when you, you and God are, are partnering together and there's that tug, you just need to recognize that's still mammon. So here's what I want to do. is uh, there's, If you look in the basket on the end of your rows, there's going to be an index card. It'll be on the, uh, your left. The, it'll be the outside seat. If each person can grab an index card, we're going to do something. If you get something to write with, I think there's pens in the back of the chair. Just make sure you put them back when we're done here. But we're going to do a little exercise here, and uh, we're going to take an offering of your worries, okay? And so I'll just wait a second until everyone gets uh, an index card. Okay, who does not have them? Let's pray that these fish multiply. Let's let's see how we do this here. Look at this. Look at this uh, coin in the end, this spirit, this giving, this freely giving between the rows. This is beautiful. This is the kingdom right here. I love this. Those who have more are sharing with those in need. Pastor, it's, it's happening right in front of us here with these index cards. We couldn't have planned this better. Yeah, well done, Wilson. Well done. Wilson, the strategist. Okay, um, raise your hand if you do not have a card, but you want one. It's not an index card? Oh, okay, all right, all right. Got it, got it, all right. You got a card that uh, some may not call an index card, but we'll just call it an index card for the purposes. All right. So here's what I want you to do is um, I want you to, we're going to ask the Holy Spirit a series of questions. The ways he's going to speak to you is he's either going to give you a picture or you're just going to get a sudden knowing. Okay. I don't have time to explain it, but this is how Jesus heard God too, is he had a sudden knowing. Jesus knew in his spirit or, um, you know, you know, so you're going to either just have a knowing or he's going to get a picture of it. So here's the first question. Holy Spirit, what am I worrying about that you want me to give over to you? You know, I want you to just write it on the card. This is just between you and God. Nobody else is going to see this. Holy Spirit, what am I worrying about that you don't want me to worry about? And so just listen to him and write it down.
Here's the next question. Uh, Holy Spirit, what lie am I believing about my finances? Holy Spirit, what lie am I believing about my finances? Just take your time. Just write what comes to you. This is just between you and God. Last question, Holy Spirit, what's the truth you want me to know about my finances? Holy Spirit, what's the truth you want me to know about my finances? Just write it down. Take about another 10 seconds here and we'll just kind of bring it in. So here's what I want to do. First Peter 5, 7 says this, cast your cares on Jesus because he cares for you. So what we're going to do here is uh, when I count, we're going to pray for a second and then when I count to three, we're going to tear those things. And it's kind of be like severing yourself from those, uh, from those lies, from those worries and you're, you're casting those cares on him. So let's just take a moment and just... Uh, if you want to, just put your hand in your heart. Holy Spirit, I renounce the spirit of mammon. Just between you and God, I'm going to give you some phrases and you just kind of pray it out in your, in your own words. You can pray it to yourself. Holy Spirit, I renounce the spirit of mammon. Forgive me for worry and fear over money. I realize nobody can take better care of me than dad. I trust you, Jesus. I want to go on an adventure with you in our finances. I'm done with worry. I'm done with hopelessness over our debt. I have glistening hope over my finances because you're with me. I give you these worries and I give you these lies in the name of Jesus and I'm not taking them back. All right, when we count to three, we're going to rip this. And I just want this to be a, a sound of worship to heaven, the, the tearing of these lies. And so, you guys ready? Thank you, Lord. Just hold them before him. You're giving these over to him. In the name of Jesus, one, two, three. I love that. Bless you, God. Yeah, that is so good, isn't it? Uh, Freedom. There's freedom here. Jim's going to be back here October 27th, which is a Saturday. 
And at that time, he's going to do a day-long seminar on, uh, like what we got today was like the philosophy behind it all. And uh, on that Saturday, there's going to be a seminar on really some of the practical things as how to prosper, how to do it, actually, okay? So that's going to be all day Saturday, October 27th. If I were you, I'd write that in my calendar right now and make sure you come to that, okay? There'll be more information coming out about that. Right now, we're going to receive our offering. So the baskets are on the far left. If you pick that basket up, pass it down your row. And then there'll be ushers here that are going to uh, receive them, collect them. So the way you do this is you take the basket in hand. Uh, You've already written your $1,000 check. And, and you, just, just as an illustration, and, and you put it in the basket, and then you pass it on, okay? So we are thankful for the way uh, you are giving as a church body. That doesn't mean that we don't have growth, that we don't have more to learn as a church body about giving. But I do want to say this. In the last two years, our giving has increased dramatically. Uh, uh, last, uh, in 2017, we increased by 10% over the previous year, and that was after several years of, of very flat giving. And this year, we're on target to increase by that amount also, another 10% on top of last year's 10. So that's pretty exciting. And that is what gives us the tools for ministry, That's why we can hire staff. That's why we can have all the ministries that we have here. And there are a whole lot more that God's going to lead us into. So thank you for giving and blessings on you. Let's all stand together. We're going to worship now. And um, you're welcome to come to the front to worship. Him. 